Let's fucking do it. You ready? Yeah. Arizona. Welcome to a Saturday night right here in Phoenix, Arizona. Told me something about a saxophone player? <clears throat> no, I didn't. A woodwind player. Yes. Their okay. instrument had I'm a reed. A single reed. It was not an oboe. No, so yeah, I, I'm going to <laughs> or get... Or a bagpipe, which <laughs> also has a double reed. Bagpipe has a double reed, yeah. Is that it what you does. said? It does. Yes, that is what I said. Yes, he was playing the bag bagpipes then. I didn't know. Was That's, he? Yeah. Outside, right outside the door of Safeway. Everybody loved this old man playing the bagpipes. <laughs> By the sliding glass little, doors, playing the fucking bagpipes. They were like, "Yeah." Did he? Did he put his tam o' shanter down to play the bagpipes? Yep. Everybody loved it. They wanted to get milk. Instead, they got to hear bagpipes while they were getting fucking milk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was uh, Christmas tunes, you know, Bing Crosby style, with the bagpipes. Bing Crosby on the bagpipes mm-hmm. playing Christmas tunes. Right. I need to find that. That's was, that's the thing that I need to know. Was not. Fucking bagpipes. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> it was uh so I, I'm walking in the store and I see this this um this lady talking to this old guy sitting in mm-hmm. a chair. I see the old guy has a you know an instrument case open, he's holding a clarinet. That's the instrument was a clarinet. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I hope that guy is playing when I walk out because I want to hear this old guy playing the clarinet. I just feel you look at him and you're like, okay, this old guy did not just pick up the clarinet today and say, you know what? I'm going to go practice <laughs> in front of the Safeway. Um, so I come out, he's playing. Um, he, st- he stops. I catch the end of the song. I say, Oh my gosh, that's great. How long you've been playing? He's like, ah, oh, you know, I've, I, what did he say? He said something like, uh, you know, I've always been playing. I've been playing forever. And I, you know, I held my hand down. He's like, Oh, not that little, but ever once I got out of something and you know, I'm like, Oh, you sound like you're from New York. He says, yeah. New York, baby. I, I just, just a note. He doesn't sound like he's from New York here. Me? I don't sound like I'm New York. He sounds like he was an Italian New Yorker. When you did it on the phone, you were like, oh, yeah, I've been playing this for you know, 20, 20 years. Uh, the accent was fresh in my mind when I was in the car. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but um, so He's from New York. He's an older man playing the clarinet in front of Safeway. Yeah. But I ended up talking to him, you know, and he was talking about all the famous people that he worked with at the different shows because he, he was on Broadway playing in the pit, in the orchestra pit for... You know, like Rogers and Hammerstein shows that were on Broadway. I'm like, ah, that was okay, cool. And he cool. was throwing out names I never heard of. Um, talking about the genius saxophone baritone. What did he say? He said something, uh, something Mulligan. I only remember Mulligan because, you know, some Irish guy. Like, saxophone? Saxophone, something like Jerry. Jerry Mulligan, something like that, I think. Jerry, you pulling it up? Jerry with a G. Gary, Jerry Mulligan. Holy shit. Yeah. Jerry Mulligan. Chet Baker. I heard of Chet Baker. He's playing with Chet Baker. There you go. He said this guy was a genius. And I said, I'm going to go look him up. He said, you should. <laughs> All right. So that was cool. And I, the lady that was standing next to him had some clipboards with some papers on them. And I'm thinking that she's like fundraising and she has this old guy or, you know, and they're doing some fun. 
she was actually a politician who's trying to get on the ballot and she was just talking to this old guy. <laughs> like, cause I, so when I see, when I see old people, I usually mm-hmm. think that they know something that I don't know and that I won't know for a couple of decades. <laughs> That's just generally what I think. I don't think you can go wrong with that. They probably do know something that you don't know. And, and either, yeah, either way, this guy was full of spirit, highly entertaining. I had mm-hmm. to, I had to stop and talk to him and, you know, he's given me life advice, you know, he's like, uh, some of it was more, you know, casually racist. Some of it was uh, more good like old folksy racism, folksy racism. Well, in, see in New York, I think that, for, you know, from my wife's stories that it's such a, an integrated population that you really mm-hmm. can't be, you know, too racist because you're always around people, but there are stereotypes. You know, he thinks that all Irish people drink, which maybe they do. (laughs) I haven't met an Irish person that doesn't. That's what I'm saying. But he was like, you know, and then he, he, so he said something about like, you know, um, because I was talking to Mulligan, he said Mulligan. I said, I got to try and remember Jerry Mulligan. I said, Mulligan, like when I take a bad chip in golf, I can take a Mulligan. He goes, Mulligan, like the Irish whiskey. You know, I, I got this Irish friend, blah, blah, they you know, and then you take him into this Italian family and the family's like, he's an Irish guy. Does he drink? And he go, does he drink? And, and then he kisses his finger like, oops, you know, that was a sin. You know, I got to take, take a penance for that. And just the character of this, he's 89 years old. Was that born in oh, wow. 27, 1927. So he'd lived through world war in New York. How was he, how was he dressed? Uh, well, slacks or uh, orthopedic shoes. <laughs> so just yeah, generic white old guy. up. Yeah. White. Yeah. Generic. Okay. You know, I was wondering if he was like in, in older clothing or anything. He didn't look run and he looked like he had all those faculties. Um, he didn't no, have, I mean like dressed up as, as you would be. Oh, my collared shirt. Okay. He probably only has collared. I don't know. Undershirts. Was, was he wearing a, uh, USS whatever hat? No. With all of his medals? No, he was medals. in service. I think he was in Vietnam the way he mm. was talking. Okay. Yeah. And 80 something. I'm not sure if the math works out on that, but okay, let's, let's keep going. Well, he was talking a lot about Vietnam. Okay. So, you know, and then it got on topic of the Asians and he kissed his finger against a casually folksy racist, but he's not, (laughs) you could tell this guy had no qualms with any. He had a few curses. Uh, He never called him like yellows or anything. (laughs) Like, he just said, the, you know, there's nothing that was like, what made me go like, whoa, dude, you know, speaking of casual racism, geez, geez, Dan, you never called them yellows or anything. Casual enough. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, that's always weird. You know, you got browns, reds, blacks, whites, yellows are for the, that's the worst, you know, that's the worst of the colors. Unless, is, is it? Well, I mean, the ones that match like you, you're on record right now as saying yellow is the worst color when applied to a racial context. Yeah. Like I'm white and I'm okay saying that I'm white, but I mean, if you hold me up to the color white, I mean, I'm not Casper. Oh, it is not the most accurate representation of the race. Sure. To be verbose. (laughs) You are not making a qualitative judgment about yellow. Oh, the yellows are the worst. No, (laughs) I'm not saying that. Okay. You know me. That's not true. <laughs> I thought I did until they went on a tirade about yellow. <laughs> so, you know, like uh, black people aren't uh, necessarily, there's shades, there's shades of white, shades of black, but there's no shade of yellow unless you're jaundice and that's not a race. So, true. 
It's a medical condition. Yeah. I mean, mostly we're Browns, right? Almost everybody's a Brown. I'm pretty sure that melanin, melanin only works one way. As we're all shades of brown. Yes. Unless you're albino or jaundiced. <sighs> yeah. I guess, I, well, jaundiced, you're still melanin, but you're also yellow. I don't know. I don't know the actual mechanism of that. Me neither. That goes beyond my training as a internet speculation <laughs> asshole. That goes beyond beyond my training as an asshole on the internet with the internet trust me on my internet troll training. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, At that party that we went to and I, I, I'm sorry, I was tipsy. I made a fucking fool out of myself. Which you're going to have to narrow it down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think anybody noticed except that everybody probably noticed, but I was like, Oh my God, this, this, everyone, everyone at this party is, a fucking dork. Yeah. Which made a, did, it was did, a value judgment on my part. I was not including myself in the, everyone as a fucking dork, including me, which is not what it meant. Um, uh, either way. The Nikki soiree. Uh, uh, what was it? The one with Josh and Olivia. <laughs> no, 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 this was, this was the going away party slash, uh, the actual guy's birthday party. Oh, was I there? Oh, yeah. that one. Oh, yeah, oh, that one. and you made a fool of yourself. I didn't catch it. No, 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 no. If anybody else had heard me, it would have been bad because I was denigrating the rest of the people at the party because I did not realize, oh shit, everyone here is a dork. Yeah. I don't think that I am a dork. I think that I have, you know, like I have tendencies on the scale, but you know, when it was like the guy with the fingernails and guy with the fingernails, <laughs> I missed that one. No, you remember. I'm probably. I can picture it anyway. Uh, so the guy that we were, t- uh, Karen and I were talking to most of the time, it was oh, him and his wife. With the Jenkos. The Jenko pants, <laughs> yes. That guy had uh, fingernails that were... Coke nails. Or yes, a- but a Coke nail is a single one on one, one hand. This was all fingers on all oh. hands. Unless he plays the banjo, it's fucking weird. Or the acoustic guitar. Yeah, you can play classical guitar with the nylon strings. But you wouldn't have that. it on all fingers. Your left hand would probably not have them. That's true. This, this was all 10 fingers. Very long. Like he, like he was proud of them. Hmm. Anyway, but, my point was. How do you feel something. about uh, males? Oh, male oh hold on. Oh, uh, we'll get back to that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my point was, uh, at that party, this girl comes up and she says, um, she starts talking to me and I'm like, Oh, it's a person. I will talk to you at a party. Okay. Pretend I'm not autistic. I know how to handle a social situation. Hi, uh, I'm, my, my name is Mark. What's your name? Oh, my name is uh, oh, Is that Jewish? She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just a troll. I was like, I've never heard anybody unironically say that out loud. Not on the internet. She was. Hi, I'm a troll. Hmm. Who who was that? Uh, her name was Khuda. I don't know. I was like, oh, are you from Israel or something? Like, what's up? Because she was. I mean, she could have passed. Passed like Natalie Portman is from Israel. Mm-hmm. She, she looked like Natalie Portman, but not of that class of. Beauty. She didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> uh, she had the features of Natalie Portman, but in the inverse proportions, <laughs> which is not not, a, not flattering. Uh, regardless. I could have bought that she was from Israel and that that was actually her name and that it was like Hasidic Jew or whatever. 
it was not. She was just fucking with me. And she 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 did that by saying, I am a troll. I never heard. That was weird to me. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like (laughs) monkeys always look. Exactly. That is exactly how it felt to me. I was like, are you seven years old? Are we on the playground? I I I feel like I'm an adult. We're like a 30 30 somethings, 40 somethings at a backyard in your. She was not 40 something. She mm, 28, something like that. She was not a child. Yeah. Hmm. She was too old for that. But (laughs) and yet there we were. Anyway, that's what I brought that up. Uh, It was a long way to go for that. And I'm sure everybody will will love that. Uh, You wanted to get you. You brought something up. Mark, do you feel it's okay when men wear nail polish? Yeah. I think that clear coat is fine. I would never do it. Dan, do you wear nail polish? Um, no, not actively. Have, Have I before? Uh, yeah. For like more than, more than a couple days. More more than a couple days. No, I mean, I really liked the color pink when I was young. It was the eighties. Neon colors were in. Okay. My sister would paint like a pinky or like my toe uh, yeah sure yeah that's why i said a couple days uh, like i could see you like you know i think i i used to sharpie my nails black in high school but that was just to be edgy because <laughs> that was like the straight edge thing to do and i wasn't straight edge but i liked to mm, i like to paradise them oh. so, you know <laughs> so i would have another <laughs> I was word, a hipster but... in, in eighth grade man i was i was Sharpieing my nails black to make it make fun of the kids ironically. So I, I don't think uh I don't think I have anything wrong with nail polish. Like I like colors. You know what I mean? On a man? On on uh, anyone. On our societal norms say that men shouldn't wear nail polish. That's why we're talking about this. If it was not if it was you know, if it was a, if it was normal, then it wouldn't be a co- what do you think of women wearing nail polish, I guess, you know? Uh Karen doesn't, and I'm okay with that. She okay. will every now and then, and that's also okay. Hmm. <laughs> that's my position is I don't care because yeah, they'll get rhinestones and new patterns and like no, that's, really artsy, that's too you know? much I don't like that my mom used to do that a lot I just don't like that you don't like rhinestones I don't like like my mom would go and and like pay a woman to put rhinestones in her nails and then she would come back and she would just have like long nails that had all sorts of crap on them and it just no I, I would not enjoy Karen having nails like that hmm not only for the for the Oedipal uh, connotations of like, oh, that would remind me of my mother. <laughs> also, just because I don't like really long nails, just as a practicality thing. And and like, I'm okay with a woman keeping her nails short or long, but long nails are weird to me. I, I don't know. I uh, I had a, an ex-girlfriend who, she was a cashier somewhere, so she had like a touch screen that she used. And she said she kept her nails on because of the touch screen. Like her nails helped her use a touchscreen. I'm not sure how that worked. I think of a certain hand posture when someone has long nails and they look like, Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? Like their fingers are trying to use the pad of their fingers. Their nails aren't (laughs) on the screen. (laughs) It's like watching a, like a sloth that has big claws Uh trying to like cross the road, touch, (laughs) no, like touch a pane of glass. It's like, Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily like the really long nails. It's not a thing for me. Uh, do you, do you like your women with very long nails? Very long, um, yes, frequent like longer than a foot. But Linda won't. Yeah, 
That takes a little commitment. I like when they I, grow I don't off know when they can get through the awkward really phase. weird. Yeah, it's it's like growing your hair out. You got to get through that awkward phase where like once you get into <laughs> sleeping so with a, when you get into sleeping with a duct taped on trash bag to protect them, that's where that's where it gets better. Uh, no, I don't really. But the awkward phase in between those two, that's just hard. You just look like a dumb dumbass. But I was saying I was so women painting their nails. I mean, I understand. Uh, I guess I understand it. It's it's a way to be seasonal. It's a way to feel nice and pretty. It's, it's accessorizing. I guess. Um, so I, I know a guy who does paint his fingernails. It's customizing your avatar, as it were. I guess so. I guess okay. I'm in an avatar. So this guy that paints his fingernails, does he have any other odd qualities? Yes. Uh, okay. He is. Um, he's a programmer. Very odd. Okay. They're an odd uh, species, subspecies. As a programmer myself, I do not enjoy where this is going, but sure. And I just brought that as, as a slight, uh, kidding. Uh, any other, so here's tendencies? the thing. I don't think He's, I don't associate men wearing nail polish with gay men. I don't associate that. I don't think that a guy wearing nail polish is inherently gay. I don't think that gay men would want nail polish on their hands. That's a different thing. I don't even see it as an effeminate thing. I think that guys who wear nail polish are weird for whatever reason that they're wearing nail polish. So this, this said, continue, please. Let me describe this guy to you. So he's, um, yeah. he's slender. Okay. He pull, he can, um, he, he usually has nice shoes on, you know what I mean? He's, he's, uh, dressed. Are we talking like expensive, expensive new balances or leather shoes, tips. not okay. wingtips, just like brown leather boots. Okay. Lace up hipster brown leather boots or just like what he can get at Carhartt. Yeah, the latter. Maybe he's a part hipster. I don't know. It's not like army boots or, I mean, they're just like, they're like dress casual boots. You know what okay. I'm saying? And he usually, you know, he's wearing khakis. He's got a belt on his shirt. He, he dresses nice. Um, he's probably 20, right? Okay. He's uh, going to junior college. He's, you know, works as a programmer. Um. And he had his, his nails. Um, I think it started with just like one and then eventually he just painted them all. This happened over the last month or so. And they're like a, like a color that I like, like I like turquoise. I, and it, you know, oh, I have, I have no. identities with, with like Arizona and turquoise. So I like turquoise, but I don't, I'm like, he painted his nails turquoise. No, no. Yeah. No. You don't can't, like it. He, he also painted them that. like a cerulean blue you know that color cerulean blue yeah i can picture what i think cerulean blue is it's like uh like a truck like a sky no 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 it's more baby pastel cornfield blue okay i'm talking crayola colors here (laughs) those are in the Uh, 64 pack (laughs) it's it's corn silk or corn flower corn flower blue that was cornfield corn what did i say corn flower blue because cornfield would be green Cornflower blue. Yeah. Anyway, eh, close. I, don't, I don't think cerulean is that though, is it? Cerulean's like a darker. I'm going to call you on it. Cerulean blue is darker. A light blue. I knew that one. Yeah. No, it's a light blue. You're right. Light blue. Anyway, cerulean frost is what I'm looking at. Anyway, so I mean, that's it's those are nice colors. Those are colors that, like, if I was going to pick, like, I don't know, a mouse pad, and mm-hmm. the you know, I had the rainbow of colors there i might be i'm like oh that's a nice color blue it's kind of calming but i to paint my nails i i don't know maybe i was like 
20% that's weird, 20% I wish I could do that, and then 60% indifferent. Where other people would probably be like, have a strong opinion. I just wonder what you think about it. I don't think, I, uh, I don't want to go buy nail polish anyway. Like that seems excessive to me anyway. So I probably will never do that. It sounds like you're trying to get me to give you permission to paint your nails. I want to paint your nails. No. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that where we're going with this? No. Is that no, your no. end game here, Daniel? Yeah. No, I, that's not. <laughs> that was really weird though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, so if if I were to paint my nails, turquoise is not the color I would use. You would use Sharpie black. We no, already discussed no, that. No, 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 no. So I'm okay with I'm okay with colors, dude. I mean, come on, turquoise though. I understand your fascination with turquoise and its cultural associations with the natives of Arizona. It's a good desert color. Do I want it on my hands? No. I feel like that would get very distracting. Yeah. I don't see Like I never seen him checking out his nails. You know how like, <laughs> you know, how, like men, when they look at their nails, it's with their yeah, palm was, facing them. That was, I think a saved by the bell trope back in the day. It's the reason that I can't look at my nails with my hand outstretched. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe. Is that where I got that from? And I know that women hold their hands I think out. That might be. Cause it was like, it was the gay test back in like the early nineties was like, Hey man, look at your nails. Oh yeah. And depending on how you did it, you're like, oh, you're gay. Because was, you if you put your like hands that. out, if you hold your hand out with all of your, your fingers, all your digits extended, that was the gay way. If you turned it around and looked at them like with your fingers curled facing you, yeah, that was how a man does it. Huh. And I agree. I usually, when I'm checking out my nails, that's why I do it. I think there's still a, a bonus <clears> to looking at the back of your hand. I mean, how else can you say shit like, I know that I would, dude, it, was, it was a thing that children do to make fun of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it was right after I got my cootie shot and was counting boy, girl, boy, girl on the urinals to see where I could stand. Boy, girl, boy, girl on the urinals. What? Maybe that was a Texas thing. I don't know. You know, <laughs> you have girl urinals. Well, it was the, every other, it was basically assigning that you don't, if there's 10 urinals and someone goes into urinal two, you don't step up to one or three. You go to the even ones. Why boy, girl, boy, girl? I don't That's just the that. way that the second grader did it. Okay. Yeah, you're in the yeah, girl. I don't know. And I'm like, I got to pee. I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, mean, I can't, I can't track that logic. But okay. <laughs> Maybe uh, I'm sorry. That's what, yeah, I can't. It, second graders aren't logical. No, that They're is true. random. I think second grade. What the, what was I doing in second grade? What was your teacher name? Second grade. I had two teachers. Hmm. I was at Bicentennial in Glendale. I had, it was like a, it was like a combined second grade and third grade class. And I remember a lot, a lot, but not the multi- teacher name multiplication, multiplication drills. I know. Well, see, I don't remember the teachers. There were two teachers, but I can't remember either one of them. I can remember fourth grade teacher. I can remember kindergarten teacher. First grade. I don't actually remember first grade. I'm first not even grade, sure if I went to first grade. First grade was Mrs. Richardson, Mrs. Richards for me. Okay. And then second grade was Miss Grandy. Third grade was Miss Owens. Yeah, I got them all. Fourth grade wow, was dude. fourth grade was she got married. So she was originally Miss Romick and then she became Mrs. Mendelssohn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was fun. She invited her class to her wedding which was Mazel Tov, you know, she got married um, to Mendelssohn. 
So we, you know, she told all the kids that you can stomp on the glass. You say Mazel Tov. And it was like stomped on the glass. Everyone said Mazel Tov. And then all the kids went, Ma- Mazel Tov, Tov, you know, <laughs> like way yeah. after. Yeah, it was probably adorable for everybody else, but I felt like it was slow. And then she had so our. You went, you went to your, your teacher's wedding? Yes. Multiple kids, like 10 kids did. That's weird. Uh, it was really nice though. Like, I think, okay. I think like my dad took me or I had like one parent there and it was okay. like, all the parents were like, they had like the, on our own cake. So it was like, we had the reception, we had, she had cake with the kids and then the kids went and then they had their, you know, after wedding, you know, reception, but mm-hmm. like, that was really nice. Have a little, anyway, fourth grade. <laughs> I like that teacher. She's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You, you were definitely more involved with your teachers than I was. Um, I guess so. I don't know. Well, she I, was, I can tell you right now. Yeah, definitely. You were. <laughs> that was Texas though. That was also Texas. I mean, different. Is that a thing in Texas? I mean, you guys have like cotillion and shit, right? Why does that sound so familiar? Cotillion is a way to write. No, that's Danielian. No, is like when you're 14 or whatever, you get all dressed up and you have a ball. Yeah. Cotillion. Yeah. We had that. Why? Yeah. Oh fuck. I haven't heard that. And that's a, Ooh. it's a Southern thing, right? I guess so. I be, Cause I know exactly what cotillion is. I mean, I've heard that. You rung a bell deep in my brain. <laughs> you weren't in Texas long enough, I guess. No, Kate, uh, fucking there you were is. probably in California when you. That's right. Because my house age. burned down at 12 and Cotillion's 14, then I would have just missed it. I, I don't actually know when Cotillion is. I don't. The, the My Cotillion knowledge ends at. Oh, yeah, there's a Cotillion. Cotillion. The Phoenix Cotillion. I just brought it up for myself as well. It's for young women to Cotillion, help expand AKA their... French country dance. Cotillion. Yeah, we had that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe I just saw it in like a thing. Huh? So. Yeah. It definitely reminded me of elementary school. Even if I didn't, um, maybe it was junior. Fucking, I don't know. I think it was like a prom, uh, an unofficial, not school related prom for children. Yeah. I anyway, I definitely did not have that. So I sent you that, um, that link to that, um, girl playing the synth. Oh no. I think I sent you the duet synth thing, right? Let me scroll yeah, back. 12 minute long. It was 12 minutes. Oh. I think so. The thing that I pulled up was 12 minutes. Oh Maybe fuck. I, I sent you the closed circuit one. Oh no. It was five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes and 30 seconds. Caitlin Aurelia Smith and Suzanne Chiani. Yeah. You said the Italian part, right? That was very good. So Suzanne Chiani. <laughs> She is, she's did like, you, did you just say it right? Chani? Chiani. Chani. I don't know. I'm not, I don't fucking. Suzanne Chani. Suzanne, Suzanne Chani. Chani. Yep. I don't Chani. So. Suzanne um, Chani. Suzanne. <laughs> sure. Is a, a pioneer for, um, using like a, well, there's different types of synthesizers. So you sent me that vocoder thing and I went fucking deep on it and then learned about the Moog that. synthesizer. And now I'm on to another uh, type of yeah. what? Yes, the analog vocoder. The analog vocoder. Yeah, dude, that was the Moog. That was okay. Sweet. So you went you went deep on that. You found you eventually arrived at Caitlin Aurelia Smith and Suzanne Ciani with closed circuit, which I'm listening to right now while we're talking, and it's soothing. I don't know. It's uh, what, like if passive, I passive was... passive is the way I would describe this. Ambient. I don't like it. I would say ambient. Ambient, definitely ambient. Well, no, it's too active for that. I feel. It's still, um, well, okay. So Suzanne, 
is mm-hmm. in like the sixties, you know, she went and got like a master in arts. I don't, in arts something. I don't, I don't know, but she started. Okay. So let me, let me fast forward a little bit. She was a performance artist with a Buchla synthesizer. So there's Moog synthesizers and these are all modular where they would patch in different cables like the Moog synthesizer mm-hmm. use like quarter j- or not quarter jack but yeah yeah quarter jack big ass guitar I know, I know what you mean yeah and they're it's like, all it's all analog it's a old electronics that are just combined in a certain way to make a certain sound so I watched like oh I don't know three or four of these 10 to 20 minute documentaries on these different synthesizers and eventually the people that were being asked the questions are talking about different hardware different people that were pioneering, you know, creating these and creating the electronics and figuring out what type of sounds they wanted to create with what type of envelopes and just different words that I'd never been exposed to. And then I would take, I would take their names and then I would search them to see what type of music they create. But this Caitlin Aurelia Smith, she's like, she's, she's really good on this Buchla. This Buchla is a synthesizer that she carries around like that um, like uh, Vinny. Is she contemporary? She's contemporary. She's, she's young. She's like, 30 something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, but she carries her bukla around like Vinnie would outside of Safeway carrying his clarinet. She carries this bukla and, and she can, as long as I guess she probably needs power. I mean, place to plug in, but you know, she can perform in this, um, this bukla. If you just look up like bukla synth, it kind of looks like a, like a metal plate keyboard thing. I don't think the keys press down, but the way that she touches it and she moves her finger around, like it's a, like it's a polygraph needle sometimes, you know, and she kind of swing and she's patching in things and she's moving knobs and clicking switches. And then she'll go to the, like the metal contact plate thing and make some sense. It's so beautiful to me. And as cold as I figure a lot of electronic, electronica can be very distant where you're not, when you, when you pluck a string on a guitar, you're creating a vibration that you can hear. But these sounds that are coming out of these synthesizers just remind me of human. Like they just sound so human to me. Like maybe it's like the, it's what the human brain sounds like to me. It's something like that. And I just been like (laughs) getting into this, like the new synth stuff, like crap from 1978. That's just like ambient. It's so weird. It's so weird, but I really enjoy it. It's fun to work too. Um, The Suzanne Chiani, Chiani, whatever her name is. She, um, she had, she, okay. So the problem was, unless you had a recording deal, unless you had a record deal, you couldn't actually, you didn't have a way to put your synth music down to sell. If you were an artist in New York and you were painting, you had a product to sell. If you were an artist, just record it. Well, you had in 1960, you know, four or whatever, you finally afforded your Buchla. You didn't have the tape machine, you know what I mean? To like, you needed, you kind of needed a record deal to get out there and to make, make enough money. So she was, eventually she found a like advertisement and she figured out ways to process little beeps and stuff to make like dishwashers seem futuristic when they showed you the television spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She, she got, she knows, she knew how to solder and she knew the different types of electronics and she knew how to work oscilloscopes. I mean, at that point you're almost a, like an electronic engineer, electrical engineer, but you're just making instruments that, that play, you know, 
It's just electric music. The way that she no, would definitely, definitely. She was an electrical engineer. Yeah. And she's, she's creating different sounds. So she gets into this marketing office <laughs> and she makes like a Coca-Cola pop and pour sound or something. And that's when she kind of hit it. And then she made sounds for uh, pinball machines and she recorded her voice and threw it through a vocoder and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just neat. And it's neat to see these people know how the different knobs are going to affect the sound of the electricity. I just find it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, for the last couple of weeks. Anyway. <laughs> That's really cool. I have an album and I'm actually, I was trying to find it there while you were talking. Uh, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy but I'm betting he was on that one of those documentaries. It is the eight way, eight wives of King Henry the eighth. And each, <laughs> each track on this record is his synthesizer, uh, interpretation of that wife. Right. That's deep cut. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Uh, Yeah. I will have to show it to you next time that we come together because I can't find it right now. It's called The Six Wives of Henry VIII. It is by Rick Wakeman. Hmm. January 1973. Instrumental progressive rock album with its concept based on interpretations of the musical characteristics of the six wives of Henry VIII. I wonder, I wonder if like Henry VIII was a bigger thing in, in different, you know, in different schools well, or whatever. So it's, uh, he toured the United States with the progressive rock band. Yes. As he read a book about the wives on his travels, melodies he had written the previous year came to him and were noted down. Musicians from Yes and from the Strobs, another band with whom Wakeman had performed, also play on the album. Hmm. I'll have to find that for you. I want to hear it now. I want to hear it like now. <laughs> if you can, if you you can, can give me like me 10 seconds, I swear to God, I can find it. Uh, it's not going to happen, Mark. <sighs> I know this won't happen. <laughs> 10 it's, seconds. Dude, like I'm standing next to my credenza. Yeah. I could find it. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt you. I do, I do too. <sighs> so anyway, what, what brought up synthesizers? Why, why analog synths for you right now? I, <sighs> I, so I, I kind of turned a leaf where I, I kind of, when I hear a synth, I didn't like them. And now that I kind of know their heritage, I like them. But, and it started with that vocoder ad that, that like eBay ad for that vocoder. And I, I was blown away how cool that was. And then, you know, the YouTube just goes next, next. And then I'm learning about just kind of like, how they made them. And then people, I was trying to find someone that could play them. And you know, one out of six videos was good. The other ones were people playing around where like that Caitlin Aurelia Smith, she's actually like a composer. She knows, you know, she's studied harmony like at length for, for probably years of her life studied harmony. And you put a synthesizer in their hands and then they're composing and they, you know, and, and she'll get saxophones and she'll put voices in and she'll bring in these instruments and she just puts them in her computer. She puts them in the machine or lays them on top of the track. She'll start because that those analog synths are, they keep the beat, they keep the time and you can play with the different, you know, settings and knobs to speed up and slow down that it's, it's, I think it's easier to lay down the electronic part first and then play the music over it rather than 
have music and then try and come in with a synth. I don't think it works that way as well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't uh, make music. I think back in the day when it was very experimental and they didn't quite know what all of that stuff did. You probably just went like, you probably made a composition on whatever synth that you had at the time. And then you just kind of wrote lyrics to it or whatever. Yeah. And they're running tape. So they'd have to like run a tape, record it, and then run that tape back and record over that tape. Fucking crazy. And the, and the first crazy. synths where they even had to use punch cards and shit to get the sounds and they had to compress them overnight, not compress them, but you know, make them, they'd have to make their punch card plug it in or whatever, and then let it compute overnight. And then the next morning they had to make sure they put in all the parameters, right. To hear what song they made, you know, ah, fucking mind blowing. I have a question for you. Yeah. Catherine of Aragon Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, Jane Seymour, Jane Anne Boleyn, Catherine Parr. I only knew two of those. <laughs> which, which one would you like to hear? Wait, those were, I thought those were contemporary actresses. Those are the the wives of Henry VIII. Those are the wives of Henry VIII. So what were what were numbers four and five? Jane Seymour. Uh, side two. One is Jane Seymour, so that's the fourth. And then fifth. Anne Boleyn is the one that everyone knows. Oh, okay. That's Catherine fine. Parr. So I want to hear Jane Seymour because I think of the Prairie Woman. What was her name? Wasn't she like a time traveler? <laughs> uh. Dr. Quinn medicine, Dr. Quinn medicine woman. There you go. Uh, Jane Seymour is uh, super hot, but not at all related. Give me a second. Just moving. I don't know if super hot is the way to describe Jane Seymour. Okay. When I was 14 and my mom watched a lot of Dr. Quinn, she was pretty hot. I would say like incredibly beautiful, super hot. He's going to super hot, (laughs) super hot, super hot. Can you hear that? Oh my God. Reminds me of Dr. Quinn. No, it doesn't. And that's on a synth. Yes. These are his synthesizer interpretations. she was a vampire <laughs> she it's very uh, uh church organist yeah dude that is a church organ huh that's fucking crazy i am actually more curious about Anne Boleyn. i think that guy is more nerdy than me uh, to make a synth album in 1970 about the six wives of Kenry. Yeah. Damn. Man. Like I'm, I mean, the seventies must had good drugs, man. Something. Mozart. Powdered wigs and chamber music. Yeah. I can see that too. Yep. Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) 
There you go. I could listen to that in its entirety. I could come over one day, pour a glass of water or whatever, and listen. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was Endlin. I'm gonna just jump straight into uh, the last one, Catherine Parr, somewhere in the middle. Ah, oh, that sounds like a bad idea. Jumping but- into Catherine Parr in the middle probably is best. It reminds me of the bard. Moscow, Moscow. That is The Six Wives of Henry VIII by Rick Wakeman. 1973. Drugs, I am sure, were involved. (laughs) You know, without drugs, you wouldn't have a lot of that art (laughs) over the Uh, decades. Thank you, Dan. I really want to thank you. You just just justified my uh, vinyl purchases over the last couple of years. Be like, oh, let me swing my microphone over here and play some vinyl. Thank you. <sighs> You're an enabler. <laughs> some days. Wow. Uh, wow. So synthesizers. So I know what I know the documentary that you're talking about with the the Moog synthesizer specifically, and the the eBay listing that you're talking about is uh, somebody selling notes. a vocoder, which is basically the the robot voice. So it takes whatever input you have and makes it like digital and robotic, even though it is an analog format, which is super impressive at the time. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's is very well. He did. He actually wrote lyrics that had, you know, he like he wrote something in like four four time and just mm-hmm. did like a speaking poem thing and then looped it and God, it was awesome. I thought it was great. Yeah, dude. The, the, everything about that is is technically very impressive, and as a little bit of an electronics geek, it it, it was like, man, you, I want to play with that. Have you heard of circuit bending? Yeah, I think so. Circuit bending is where you take like a child's toy that makes sound and you fuck it up, and it makes like weird noises and stuff, and you can turn that into music. That's uh, not what I thought, but okay. <laughs> uh, look up circuit bending if you can. Uh, it's I can't. Okay. Well, I. I suppose I could. Circuit bending, creative chance-based customization of circuits within electronic devices to create musical or visual instruments and sound generators. I want to do this to a speak. They did it to a speak and spell. Yes. I'm going to say you can make that. It already sounded like the devil. Maybe you could sound like an angel. I don't know. (laughs) Can you hear that? No, I'm listening to mine, but... Can you hear mine? Anyway, it's interesting. That's the thing. So synthesizers. Dude. Yeah, synths, man. All right. Coming up to an hour. We are. We're at 58.37. You got any scoop-ins? Scoop-ins? You want to scoop anybody into top eight? I don't know what any of that means. Uh, Do you want to give a shout out? Uh, no. <laughs> you have you don't have any shout outs? 
<clears throat> do I need to plug something? Is that what you're asking for? How about um, oh, what was that pipeline that was supposed to go through a native country? And they they shut it down. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Why did they shut it down? I've, I don't know what the actual agenda is behind that. It was a. I think it was just an efficient route, but they mm-hmm. didn't want to like fuck up people's groundwater, so people protested, and then you know the Army Marine Corps engineers said, "Okay, we'll go around." Uh, why do we need oil? Uh, why? Thing that we need? Why don't we leave it in the ground? I don't know. It's a good uh, question. I mean, we gotta yeah. gotta have something for my car and my Tupperware. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's true. For a little while longer, at least. Yeah. The uh, seems like that's becoming more and more viable as time goes on. I am slipping into this weird apathy with the way that the world is going right now. It's distressing. Because I used to be a it used to be like a little revolutionary and super into politics and everything. Now I'm kind of like, <sighs> are you a giver or a taker Mark? I, so in my as, taker, like that's a loaded term. I'm definitely not a giver, I'm not a giver, but I'm not a taker. What do you mean by that? What is your definition of giver and taker? What is my definition of giver and taker? Yeah. Well, I think that givers are more closely related with, um, the land with earth where, okay. Where like some people think that, you know, um, I don't like we're part of, you're talking about like the the Ishmael. Yeah. That's what that's where it's from. Daniel. Yeah. Then I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a taker. Well, okay. That's the problem. I mean, I have a lot of taker tendencies, but I would definitely give those up. And I don't think giver is the antithesis, like the, I don't think giver is the opposite of taker. I think it's like, I think it's taker and lever. You know what I'm saying? Taker and lever. Okay. Is that what, like, did I not, mess it up? I, well, if, if you're going with the Ishmael thing, I think it's taker and levers. The levers are the ones that left the fruit of knowledge and the metaphor and and then the takers I don't know how take I feel about Ishmael anymore yeah. either. Yeah. I don't know, man. I guess I'm just, my, my, my views are maturing, but I'm not sure into what. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I was thinking to myself, um, and it was, uh, it was something that, um, my God, I can't remember his name. I think it's like Yvonne something. I've never even tried to say his last name out loud. I had something that might be French. It's the guy from Patagonia, Yvonne Shepard. It's something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Oh, do you know Patagonia, the uh, company that makes like hiking stuff? Mm, Patagonia? Any more than there is a company that makes stuff. Okay. So they, um, you know, the way they go about making their stuff is maybe more environmentally conscious. So I was, I was reading something that basically he, uh, and it was this, I think his name is Yvonne something. Um, Mr. Patagonia, we'll call him. He's the founder of the company. And um, he was talking about how that it's the, that, that people are kind of blaming governments or blaming corporations where it's, it's that we're just passive 
and being consumers and not taking responsibility for just being consumers, which is kind of like a taker to me is just a consumer where uh, takers are. Yes. Takers are analogous to consumers. So, and until like, until you, um, kind of own up that you, you, you buy disposable crap all the time, then you can't kind of stop consuming. So like I was at, I, you know, what type of pants do I want to wear to work? I want something that is high quality that will last that I can use for multiple occasions. I think that's a way to consume less. I um, yes. So I agree with you there. As you know, I, I go to estate sales, uh, just to randomly crap hound, I guess. <laughs> crap hound. <laughs> That's what I call I mean, I call it that because Corey Dr. O wrote a short story about crap hounding, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, regardless, I go to estate sales and because of where I live, which is Surprise, Arizona, which is surrounded by old people of all stripes and from all, all over the country. I've, when I was a kid, my mom used to take me out and we'd do that every weekend. Back then, the cool shit was like um, World War II veteran stuff. It was all yeah. made of metal. It was fucking, this shit is, you know, 80 years old and you could still use it. Yeah. You just pick up a, a dustpan from one of these guys who, you know, he bought this dustpan in 1938 before he went to the war and he's still using that shit in 1984. Nowadays, it's, when I go estate sailing, every once in a while I'll get one of those guys that's like, he's 85 and he's just dying or whatever. And he's got some good shit that's like lasting and is, is in good, maybe even if it's like well-worn, it's still useful. The other kind of people, the baby boomers, it's definitely a generational thing. The baby boomers, I call the plastic people. Yes. Everything they own is fucking plastic and it's shit. And it's all new stuff that you could have bought in the last 10 years. And it's all worthless. Oh, it, shit breaks. It's like, I thought you were talking about Tupperware from the sixties. I was like, that shit's amazing. <laughs> Well, that stuff is with, you get those people every once in a while, but that's not the problem with Tupperware in the sixties is it broke in 1985. Uh. Like you got to get 20 years out of it, but eventually it stops burping or whatever Tupperware does, you know? <laughs> and so they, that stuff ended up in the landfill and then they just bought new, new stuff, which they then got into the cycle of planned obsolescence and they had to buy shit every five years or whatever. Yeah. So the plastic people is definitely a real phenomenon and it's uh, so do you know what planned obsolescence is? Um, I've never heard it, but um, yeah, let me go on. I, I learned that term the first year when I worked at Dr. Geeks in Gilbert uh, doing computer repair. One of the guys, um, this was when Pentium came out, uh, Intel came out with a new processor that instead of having pegs on the bottom, you know, that went into sockets. Yeah. Pinion, pinion two stuff or, Oh no, no. I know what you're talking about. Every processor for the ever, ever had like pins on the it pins, that went into yeah. sockets. Yeah. This year they didn't do pins. They did little balls that contacted. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So the problem with the little balls was after a couple of years, the ball wouldn't contact anymore. Like the, the metal would degrade Ooh. and the contact between the ball and its socket wouldn't work. It would like warp or it would just slightly enough to like come unglued or whatever. Functionally, what that meant is, Hey, now you have to buy a new processor and you have to do this every four years. Previously, your processor was good forever. 
Yeah. Like, sure, it would be slower comparatively to any new processor, but like you'd have it for fuck it ever. Unless you, you were neg- ugh, unless you were negligent and you burned it up. That shit's just going to last. But that wasn't the way it was anymore. Intel wanted to sell you a new processor every two years, so they made a break after two years. Mm. They forced you into the cycle. So that was planned obsolescence. They're making it so like, this thing's going to be obsolete in X time. Yeah. So... And then at that time, a month before that happens, we're going to start marketing to them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it gets you into the cycle of consumerism where it's like, here's a cheap thing that you can afford right now. It's going to last you a little while. It reminds me of cars breaks. nowadays. It reminds me of cars. Break. Yeah. Hold on. It's a cheap thing that you can have for a little while. And then when it breaks, you just buy another one because they're so cheap. So, but if you bought the thing that costs seven times as much, you'd have it 500 times longer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do know. But then you get into the, you get into the economics of if I can only afford $5 for a thing and the, the good thing is $15. If I can't stretch to make that $15, I'm just going to buy a set of $5 things every six months instead of the one $15 thing every four years. Yeah. So I'm going to be spending way more money buying the cheap thing than if I just bought the one good thing. Yeah. I understand that. It, it, I think that's where cars are headed. Yeah, definitely. Where, I can already see that in my Toyota. I, it's all plastic, man. It's like, I'm not happy. I knew someone that had um, a nice Scion, which made by t- Toyota. And eventually they got to it where, all right, you're going to have to replace some big engine part. It's going to be four to $5,000. Holy you know? fuck. And it's, um, you know, it's just something that we know is going to go bad or whatever. And so instead of, thinking about, do I replace this car and then wait for the next thing to go wrong? Or do I just get a new, and they ended up getting a new car. And I'm like that, that, you know, I think we're making cars disposable and as large of a waste. I can't, I can't imagine how much waste actually comes from our car. Hopefully they recycle them pretty well. But anyway, I found that Yvonne Chouinard. I don't know how to say that name. I'll copy and paste it. Sure. I, so I'm very weary about people that say that they're environmentally responsible. Uh, there's been a much to do about that over the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. It's super trendy. And it reminds me a lot of the vegan or nutritional or um, homeopathy. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, we're environmentally responsible. We only use, uh, you know, 95% post-consumer content. Yeah. Okay, so you're linking me a thing that Yvonne. That's just that's the quote. Schwina. I don't know. I've never said that name out loud. I always say Twinard. Chichina in my head. Uh, that's definitely the Anglo way to say that. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. If you are an Anglophone, it's Twinard. Yeah. Uh, If you're a Francophone, which I am not, it's Twinard. Yeah. It's like Twinard. It doesn't have a D in the end or so. I don't fucking know. You can ask Nikki, but <laughs> I might send it to her ever. Send me a <laughs> soundbite back. Yeah. So well, just be, Oh, that's actually a good idea. We should be like, Nikki, how do you pronounce this? Yeah. Hey, we're going to be in a, a podcast then, call. We need you on standby. <laughs> dude, that's actually not a bad idea. We should do that. Uh, regardless, let me read this little thing here to myself. Okay. I'm just going to read it out loud because the listeners, the reason why we won't face up to our problems with the environment is that we are the problem. It's not the corporations out there. It's not the governments. It's us. We're the ones telling the corporations to make more stuff and make it as cheap as as cheap and as ugh, as cheap and as disposable as possible. We're not citizens anymore. We're consumers. 
That's what we're called. It's just like being an alcoholic and being in denial that you're an alcoholic. We're in denial that each and every one of us is the problem. And until we face up to that, nothing's going to happen. So there's a movement for simplifying your life. Purchase less stuff. Own a few things that are very high quality and that last a long time and that are multifunctional. Yeah, it was it. Okay, I can get behind all of that. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a Reddit a subreddit called Z, not Zero Waste, like Low Waste or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> There's there are subreddits devoted to this. And I got to those through Reddit slash r slash minimalism. Yeah. Because I like minimalism stuff. And I've... I mean, I, I, I mean, like, duh. Yeah, I went out <laughs> and I bought a Keurig. Things, <laughs> oh yeah, the Keurig is the ultimate. Uh, Keurig's a little bit different. The, Keurig, the problem with the Keurig isn't that it's, like, going to break and that you have to buy a whole bunch of them. It's that it's, it, it is expressly designed for convenience yes. with no regard for how wasteful it is. <laughs> or, like, they, they just went, yeah, we're just going to be uh, throwing out plastic things all the fucking time. Yeah, whatever. It's super convenient though, right? You can just have a cup of coffee in 14 seconds. Is. <laughs> and I'm not one to talk. I use a Keurig at the office because that's what the office got. Now, if the office just had like the big fucking, like you make a pot of coffee and it sits there and turns into sludge, I would drink the shit out of that sludge because I don't care. Yep. And I'm okay with that. But they bought a Keurig machine. So now I just buy the like $8 worth of coffee for the, you know, next two weeks or whatever. And I just put Keurig in there and fuck it. I'm not going to fight that battle, mm, yeah. but Keurig are super wasteful. You can put, you can like grind your own beans and get that little reusable cup, I guess. Right. Yeah. But my problem is we don't have a kitchen. You don't in have our a office. sink. I have Ooh. to go to another department to use the sink and I don't put grounds down the sink. So I bang it out in the trash, but then I have yeah. to rinse the thing. Yep. And I can't, I just can't do that without having to leave like badge out, go to another department. Ooh walk through there, like pause, like have to pass a director and the director's going to be like, Oh, Hey, do you have a, a second to talk about data analysis? And I'll be like, fuck you. I'm making coffee. Go away. Yeah. Like I can't do, you know, I just can't do that. So like, is there a bathroom? Can't you just rinse that shit in the bathroom? No, sink? The bathroom is even farther than the kitchen that I have to go to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, I see is like, very lucky way back. <laughs> yeah, dude, you, your situation is probably way better. That's Bob Bayman, New Yorker, another New Yorker. He he actually fundraised and got to in in got a stove put in and made an actual kitchen. Is that over the DAC? It it well it was the former DAC. No, it's it's just a Choya. I'm at Choya now. Oh, I thought you were at um, the one in no, the, in the next to the Thunderbird. Yeah, moving on up. No, I got another new job. In, oh, hey, Dan. Tell me about your promotion. Uh, I'm on servers now. That's it. Okay. So you went back to the deck? No, I'm back to Choya. I went Wait, from. DAC, DAC is Thunderbird. The DAC is on Thunderbird. And then Choya. the Choya okay, so annex Choya is, is what IMT. I thought the DAC was in my head. Oh. Okay. 67th and Choya, so which this is south sense. of Cactus. And then isn't Thunderbird is, Peoria, is the DAC. It's in Glendale, isn't it? Yes. The, both of those places are in Glendale for the Peoria School District. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. We, cover, we cover surprise and Mirage, so you know, whatever. It's, it's the same thing. See, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, I'm probably going to bleep all that because I don't necessarily want this podcast to be traced back to us so much. Okay. I don't know. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, regardless, your kitchen at the Choya is pretty cool. That's a, that is a full ass kitchen. 
Yeah, it works, man. I, yeah. I mean, a stove, an oven, a, an oven range, you know? Yeah, you're you're definitely special in that regard. I don't have that. I, I have to use a cur- uh, Okay, I don't have to use the Keurig. I could definitely engineer my life to, to eliminate that waste and be more responsible. I need some fucking coffee, and that's that's a small sacrifice that I'm going to have to be like, mm, yeah, this is dumb. Yeah. I, do you guys I, have uh, a water cooler? Uh, we do. I don't like it. It's uh, it's not the gravity fed one. It has a pump, so it's <laughs> that that is also really super wasteful. Huh. So like, a water cooler should just be like uh, the the ceramic cistern with a little knob on it, like a faucet, and then it's just gravity fed, and the vacuum keeps it from like going everywhere, right? Yeah. Like that's the that's the most basic water fountain you can get. Ours is an electric pump, so it's like this like long tube that you stick down into the thing, mm-hmm. and it pumps the water up into a reservoir, which only fills up like I don't know, maybe a quarter of a gallon. So then, like when you start pumping out of it, it now has to pump up. So once you hit the button to like dispense some water, it turns on an electric motor that goes and like pulls water up. It's super slow. It wastes electricity. It's hard to clean. It's it's like strike, 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 strike. It is bad. Mm. I was not involved in choosing it. It's what we have in here. Ugh. Ugh. So, yeah, <laughs> my life right now is my work life is not set up real well to eliminate waste. I'm getting much better about it at home. I am definitely buying more high quality things that will last me a long time. Like uh, the dustpan was an example that I did. I finally said, you know what? I'm sick of these fucking plastic dustpans that break every fucking time. Hmm. And we end up buying like a new dustpan and I'm not buying a fucking plastic dustpan at 3 a.m. at Walmart because I shattered some glass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not that I ever would do that because I just grab a sheet of paper and fucking do that. But like I went on Amazon and, and I ordered for $7 a dustpan that I'll probably have for the next 45 years. Yeah. It's black. It's steel. It's giant. It's fucking dustpan. And I am very happy with that purchase. I've used that for like a couple of years now. That's the way to go, man. Don't buy plastic. Buy something fucking steel. And multi-purpose. If you can, that's something. <clears throat> multifunctional is pretty good. High quality, multifunctional. You'll start, you know, then you'll have less stuff. You'll be Definitely. consuming less. You know? Do you know uh, Good Eats with Alton Brown? Uh, yeah. So he's all about, he doesn't, he, he says you should never buy a unitasker. If it's a melon baller, it should do another thing. Like it should core apples as well. Uh. Or, it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like never buy something that's like super specialized for only one thing because then you're just wasteful. There's, you're just going to have a bunch of unitaskers all over your fucking uh, kitchen. You're going to have overflowing, uh, overflowing drawers. I don't know. The, the, the kitchen, kitchen products industry is renowned for all the stupid little gadgets that everyone has to buy. Yeah. Cause they're super useful until a week later when you don't even remember what it's for. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a parsley shredder. <laughs> what is a parsley shredder? I so you know when you, when you make tabbouleh salad, tabbouleh. Yes. And we make that. So it has a, a, has a metal handle, has a little metal basket and there's a turn crank thing that has like claws, you know, like when you recycle metal, and you toss something down there and it just shreds like a yeah. hub. We put a, a hard drive into it and it's like. Yes, it's kind of like that, but just for parsley. I'm looking at a picture of it. Yeah. 
Uh, the one I'm looking at is called a stainless steel rotary herb mill. There you go. I mean, I was saying you could probably stick other things than partially in it, but still very narrow in so, purpose. A hopper, a handle, a crank. Yep. With 32 tiny, tiny chopping blades. There you go. Okay. Uh, that looks like a grinder to me. Well, yeah, it's for uh, it's a grinder for plant leaves, I guess, you know. <laughs> right? Or uh, herbs. Yeah, so definitely. Okay, that's the thing. Uh, if you have, if you use it for a lot of different, no, <laughs> just use it for parsley. Do do I even use it for parsley? Uh, I use it basically for tabbouleh salad the three times maybe. I mean, I have to remember to go buy tabbouleh. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that, it's, it's a quinoa, like, isn't? No, to well, no, I think it's um, it's a wheat. Quinoa is a different grain. I think tabbouleh is wheat. That tabbouleh is just the name of the salad. I might be. It's both. It's both the name of the grain and the, and the salad. So the salad is basically like parsley, garlic, that grain, and a uh, shitload of lemon juice. It's bulgur wheat. Bulgur wheat. There you go. Tabbouleh is the name of the dish, and it's bulgur wheat. Yeah, which but I think we just use quinoa instead. Bulgur wheat in other countries is called tabbouleh. Okay. I'll give you that. I think I am pretty sure it's probably Yiddish or something. I mean, I would guess Arabic, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Arabic. Very, very actually bulgur is Turkish, Turkish from Arabic. Something. It's in Arabic. I can't read. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't read Arabic. All right. All right. I don't have any scoop ins either. So I don't know what that means. The shout out. The Windows timer, the stopwatch for Windows timer, has a space for an hour, but when it rolled over to one hour, it just went to zero. Thanks, Windows. Look. That's an hour and 20 minutes. What the fuck, Dan? No, that's... This is uh, why I hate Microsoft. That's 20 minutes and 51 seconds. Yes, it is. It should have a one... Uh, whatever. Retarded. I hate Windows. I hate that so much. All right, man. That'll do it for another episode of Arizona.FYI. I've been Mark. That was Dan. Make sure to check our website, Arizona.FYI. It'll show you all the Facebook, SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can discuss our episodes on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash ArizonaFYI. And if you want to talk to us or uh, possibly get an email read on the air, whatever, send an email to mail at Arizona.FYI. Thanks again for listening. And remember, while you're out there exploring our state, don't forget to bring us along.